Welcome to the OFD Podcast. I am your host, Joshua Voles, site manager over at OneFootDown.com on SB Nation. And with me, as always, is Jude Seymour. Jude, what's up, buddy? Joshua, always a pleasure to be with you. Happy Friday. <laughs> it is Friday, isn't it? You, you wouldn't know it by, by us having nothing to do at 1030 at night. We are two wild and crazy guys. Now, Brad was going to join us tonight. Brad was stepping away from the bar, but apparently he uh, school broke him this morning, and uh, and now he's sick. So he's uh, he's actually unable to speak. So uh, get well soon, Brad. One of the one of those things. I I can't. I, I mean, is is thoughts and prayers appropriate here? Thoughts uh, and prayers uh, is appropriate. I, I really <laughs> had to think back to like. The last time, like I studied so hard that I I couldn't speak the next day. <laughs> I don't know, maybe like a, maybe like an all night cram uh, writing or something like that for some stupid reason. But uh, I'm pretty loud, so <laughs> I don't know how, how many problems I have like that. So hey guys, we're gonna um, there's a, a variety of different ways we could go tonight, right? Like there's we could go like season, we could go roster, we could go. Uh, conspiracy theories. I mean, there's all sorts of different things we could talk about, but I think one of the most pertinent uh, points to, that we can get to is the most recent interview with Jack Swarbrick from uh, by Pete Sampson with the athletic and Jude, I, you know, what did, what did you first think when, when you read that article with Jack and we just, let me, let me just get that overall scope of when you, how did you feel after you read it? And then we'll get to some of the points. First of all, I am always thankful uh, when any reporter gets Jack Swarbrick on the record because I think that there are a lot of um, questions that we have about Notre Dame athletics, about Notre Dame facilities related to athletics um, that Jack Swarbrick has a has a um, insider's point of view on. And so I'm always looking forward to reading uh, anything that involves Jack Swarbrick. Uh, having said that, I think my t- my one takeaway, and I discussed this briefly with you before we uh, we hopped on tonight, was um, that I think a lot of his answers weren't surprising. I think a lot of the information that he gave us uh, was things that we could have sussed out from previous conversations, or were continuations of conversations that are, um, you know, the the goog is a, is progressing nicely, or uh, the practice <laughs> field, you know, like you know they they want to do more academic space for the for the for the guys or whatever. Okay, right. It's great. like it's like I told you. I you know I asked you before we went on. I'm like, was there anything brand new in this at all, or is this just stuff that that we kind of already knew that that it felt <laughs> like we already knew? Uh, so it didn't seem like it was a, a, a you know any new answers come out. I mean, it was a pretty pretty plain text. <laughs> yeah, and and I, I don't blame Pete Sampson for trying because I think first of all I think Pete has things that he's interested in. I think he has things that right. he thinks his readers are interested in. And I think he covered a, a fair amount of ground with Jack in probably a limited amount of time. So it's not a it's a not a damnation of, of Pete Sampson or no uh, no no not at all. But it, it was more like um, uh, to, to use your phrase, savvy Jack being savvy, you know, um, filling the time but not really saying anything. Uh, something that I would you know when I in a previous life when I was working with uh, political candidates, we used to kind of say. Um, say a bunch of nothing, but say, you know, sound good doing it, you know? So yeah, it's, it's lawyer talk. Yeah. Yeah. You, 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 you from my neck of the woods that we call that, we call that lower talk. <laughs> right. So I look, I, I have this weird, strange, um, 
hang up about the BYU series uh, that started in um, 2012, where it was supposed to be a two for one. And More like a fetish, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. Actually, actually, it's like your hair. It's like your hair sticks out end, like when in the wind when someone mentions BYU. <laughs> yeah. And look, I, if I'm known on the internet for for stupid things, it's it's Corey Holmes and and the BYU series. So um, it's very weird things to be known for. Um, I hope you all come to my funeral and Co- and you invite Corey to come and, and you know. Uh, but anyways, and probably, uh, and probably have it in Provo because uh, that'll be the lot, that'll be the <laughs> only time another eight person shows up in Provo. You might, you might have to convert like Rudy. <laughs> oh, wow. Um, <laughs> so anyways, just a uh, backstory for, for the uninitiated. Uh, this was actually, a, I think it was actually a four for two series, uh, when they first announced it and they almost immediately cut it down for, as a two for one and BYU has fulfilled its obligation by playing, uh, at Notre Dame stadium in 2012 which you probably most remember as the game after Stanford when Everett Golson was hurt and, and Tommy Rees muddled through a, I think, a 17-13 to 13 victory. And then 2013, um, they played him as well. And, uh, and a game, I think it had snow. It featured snow. And Cam oh, McDaniel. It was, a, it was a very nice and cold game. Yeah. Yeah, so I think when Lisa did her throwback Thursday, what, what's the coldest game you ever attended? I think there was a fair amount of answers. Yeah, there was that. a few in there. That, and that, yeah, that was a Carhartt. Uh, that's a gear-up game. Right. So Notre Dame was responsible. we were supposed to fulfill that obligation uh, to BYU by uh, 2020. Obviously, we know the schedules uh, through 2020. BYU is not on those schedules. They're not playing a game in Provo. So um, they are uh, they have broken that contract. However, the conversations continue to exist because every year Tom Holmo Holmo. <laughs> wow. You, you, you want to look? I, I'm very close here. <laughs> H O L M O E. How would you say that? Whole, whole, whole mo. John H. That's how John I'd H. say that. Gene. John H. That's how I'd say uh, that. The BYU athletic director, <laughs> AK, their Jack Swarbrick, uh, has been asked about this every single year. And he says the discussions are, are ongoing. And, you know, he said he would take a payout, but he would much rather have a game. Uh, it sounds like from the Pete Sampson article with, with, uh, with Jack that a game is happening. Uh, Jack laughed when Pete suggested uh, a, a, an idea that I proposed, and uh, uh, it was not an original idea. And, and one foot down in 2017, that um, that we take that we make good use of the new Las Vegas Raiders stadium. I hate it. Play the game in Las Vegas. I hate, I it. hate it. But this is so on brand for Notre Dame. And I it hurts, hate it. It hurts. It makes so much sense. You know. I hate it. Yeah, I know you hate it, and I'm not. I'm not advocating. <laughs> I, I hate it so much that I know it's true. I know that's because <laughs> I'm not advocating for it. I'm just saying, prepare yourself for it happening. You know. So now I was. I've been wrong before. Like I thought Notre Dame was going to play Northwestern last year in Wrigley Field. Like when they announced that 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 uh, Northwestern had obligations to the Cubs to play games in Wrigley Field. I'm like those sons of. Bitches are going to move that game to Wrigley Field, and they're going to play that one-way football, and it's going to be ridiculous. It's going to break a neck, and that did not that did not come to fruition. So I, I've been wrong before. I will be wrong again in the future. That much I can guarantee you. But I think Jack laughing at that. Uh, I think Pete is hitting on uh, an essential truth here, which is they're probably working on that because that means a good payday for Notre Dame. It means a good day, payday for for BYU, and they avoid Provo. They avoid going all the way to Provo. And I got, and, I got to tell you. I don't, you know, we, we come across some nutty fans, right? Like, I mean, I, I get it daily, weekly from different fan bases. 
I mean, I stoked the fire of Michigan. So if I get attacked, attacked by Michigan uh, fans, that's nothing new. But anytime it's like every BYU fan has a BYU filter going on. And once you mention them, like they're just, they're just hoarding you with honor your contract, honor your deal. I mean, it's, it's pretty loud and proud uh, that the BYU fan base is like really searching for, I mean, this is, this is the game for them. And I think to the, they're to the point now, you know, I, I, you know, and I think, and as they should, they want this game in Provo, but I think they just want this game so much that I think, you know, in the new stadium, new stadium at, in Las Vegas uh, for the Raiders, I, th- I think they're, they're fine with that. They just, they want to get, you know, Notre Dame out West. Yeah. And, and, you know, BYU is a private institution, so we don't know, like we did with Georgia tech, uh, you know, if this is money motivated, but um, I know that there's going to, you know, if it's, if it's something that they reach an accord with the Raiders, then there is going to be a payout, um, and a, like a so-called appearance fee. And, um, you know, Notre Dame will, will benefit and so will BYU. And so if BYU needs that for their bottom line, then they're going to go ahead and chase that. Well, and I'll I, say, the, I'll say I know, this too. I know it rubs us both the wrong way, but I, I think that's the reality of the business these days. Well, here, here's, a, here's a couple of things I, that, that I wanted to bring up about this. Number one, and I think we'll get, we'll talk about this just a little bit later in the podcast. You know, BYU is still operating as a football independent and they have, I won't say limited, but I'm going to say limited revenue streams. Um, and I'm not going to be, I'm not the person who's going to sit here and pretend I know about the business side of college athletics, you know, in and out enough to talk about, but to me, it would seem like they would be, they're not hurting, but they will definitely be reaching for that buck to keep funding what they're doing as a football independent. And, yeah. and it, make, it, make, it makes, makes a lot of sense. I think it makes plenty of sense. But at the same time, for Notre Dame, you know, savvy Jack here, and this is savvy. You know, if that if that move does get made to you know to Las Vegas, and if it's something that BYU actually really wants because of that, you know, the the the, <laughs> the thinking here would be, wouldn't that be, wouldn't Jack want to turn that into a Shamrock Series game? But in doing so, it would technically be a home game. It would game be a for, three for zero then, not right, a three for one. Right, right. I guess that's my point. I, 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 get, they, I could see that definitely wanting to be the route that Jack wants to go. And maybe when he's talking about hammering out the details, maybe that's more or less what it is. Like, hey, you know, you're going to get us in. You're going to get us out there. All right. We're, we're coming out west. But, you know, if you want to do this within the next couple of years or whatever – we need this to be a Shamrock series. NBC is going to cover it. It's going to be a primetime game. It's going to be great. People love you. Right. Uh, you know, instead I, of, instead of uh, you know, CS TV or whatever, you know, weird, uh, you know, well, ESPN I think ESPN, I, well, I think ESPN has a deal with BYU right, right now. I, and I could be wrong. I, I definitely have to look that up, but I would, I, because it's not like air force or Wyoming, I, I think that a Notre Dame BYU game would be like ESPN or ESPN two. You know what I mean? It still feels like a 12 or a three thirty. you know what I mean? Or two thirty or something. Oh no, they'll make that a night game. They'll, they'll definitely make that a night game. You think so? Oh yeah. Without a doubt. Oh, if you mean if they put it in Vegas or if they keep it in Provo, either way, oh. either, either way, the West coast, either way, this game's going to be a night game. I guarantee it. Okay, because of the West Coast, and, what's your, well, what's your uh, thought? I mean, there's no way Jack's going to want a, a noon game out west, right? For Notre Dame, that's that's harsh. 
you know, that's that that's maybe worse than a, than a night game. Right. You but know, how, much leverage about, does, how much leverage does he have? You think he just says, oh, if I, I don't I get think, what I, I want, then Jack, I just pay the money. I think and Jack's you? got all the leverage in the world on this one right now. Oh, really? Okay. I mean, I just, I just do. I just think BYU wants this so bad that not that they're going to bow down to his demands, but they're going to be, if they're somewhat reasonable in nature, and, and selling a primetime game to a to a team without a conference that's trying to be a more of a national school. Um, I mean, and BYU is they're a national school because of what they are. Um, I mean, they're just not on the level of Notre Dame is all. But <laughs> I think a primetime game is easy to sell to them. I mean, I, I don't think that's an issue at all. And being out west, they're they're used to that kind of stuff, anyways. Just for TV, yeah. But Jack can't Jack can't guarantee a primetime game unless it's unless it's NBC's control, right? Well, I mean, no. If it he would say he would say let's do it. A prime, he can't guarantee it, but but then they could c- control that. I I, I, guar- I guarantee you it's going to be. I, I got okay. no I got no doubts. I will, I'll put you know I'll put fifty bucks down on that right now. If, if that game is scheduled, it's going to be a night game. And I'm talking like 7 o'clock, 7 to 8.30. It'll probably be a 7, 7, 7.30 kickoff. I mean, it makes sense because of the West Coast, but it also, you know, I think it also, if it's ESPN and they control it, then they could put a window on it and then they could just make it an, an afternoon game. No, like they could. I don't, I don't think they will. Like I, 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 think I believe the Air Force game started at 5.30 and But that's Air Force. But that's Air Force. Okay. I, 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 I mean – I just feel BYU carries a lot more weight than Air Force. <laughs> but I, I definitely don't agree. I don't na- agree. But nationally, okay. nationally, oh, I do agree. BYU, dude, BYU's everywhere. There's Mormons everywhere. I'm in Hicksville, Ohio, and the missionaries were were here in town for a few years ago. I mean, they're they're all over the country. Right. And <laughs> and this is not a knock on Norman on on Norm on the Norman invasion, but on Mormons, I'm just saying it, it's a it's a it's an international school. There is a there is a wide reach with BYU. In fact, what they're doing, what they're trying to do as an independent, I think is working somewhat only because of that wide reach that they have. <laughs> uh, so, I yeah, it carries a lot more weight than Air Force in my mind, or ever any Mountain West school, or you know, for that matter. And have and to be honest with you, half the Pac-12. Well, we are at least three years away from finding out who's right on this. And, and you're welcome to write this one down in the Drew Tranquil book uh, if you want and uh, call me on it. In oh, I got, I, got, I got my Battles with Jude journals over here. So <laughs> it's, getting, it's getting longer by the day. Yeah. It, <laughs> the longer we work together, the, 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 uh, the more dog ears this bad boy is going to have. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> so anyways, so, that's, that, that's the one of the takeaways. The other takeaway was that Notre Dame isn't planning any games in China, which I think we could have, uh, we could have, we easily surprised. I mean, that always seemed like a red herring herring to you. That seemed more like a media thing. The media was hanging on to longer than, and I'm not, again, not blaming Pete. I just think it was out in the ether. Oh, a game in Asia. Wouldn't it be nice? And maybe Jack mentioned years ago, but the game, the, the supposed game in China was always, yeah, it was always talked about with Stan, with Stanford in mind. Right now, Stanford has played in Australia to start the season off, and I think to detriment to both to Stanford and the t- television ratings, I, you got to wonder if Stanford it's a little bit. Ad was telling Jack like, "Look, man, this ain't <laughs> this." This ain't all what it cracked up to be. 
this specific crab just ain't what it, what you think it's going to be, man. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I just, to, to me, it feels like that AD doesn't want anything to do with that again. And then he would express those feelings to Jack and then, you know, think about it for a minute, Jack. I mean, to most of us, especially to me, it seems, I, mean, I think international games are absolutely stupid to begin with. They're, I feel that there's so little to gain out of that other than just some PR. And I'm, I'm sick and tired of PR. I can give a shit. Winning gives PR, not sure. this stuff. So, you know, whatever okay, it took, whatever okay it took to it get as, it off. I'm okay off, with it as a once a decade thing. Once What's a decade. That? I think I'm okay with it as a once a decade thing. I, yeah, I think it's like I a one-off trip, one-off in Wembley Stadium or something like that would be fun. You I know? mean, if, if we're going to go get some Deutsch recruits, I mean, maybe we go play in Berlin. <laughs> I mean, I mean, honestly, God, I mean, ever since Ehrensberger's committed, I've kind of like, you know, I've been following some of this German stuff going on over there. And, I, and I'm not saying that I'm scouting or anything like that, but I'm just saying there's a way to, you know, if, if there is a talent base over there, they are human beings. I mean, it's, if this thing develops into something <laughs> bigger over the years, if you could develop a, a, a center, you know, something over there where it's a, you know, a funnel, a pipeline, just like any high school or any state, you know, like IMG didn't exist a decade, a decade ago. You know what I mean? So can, is that something that could be worked into Then I could see you going over there every once in a while, throwing them a bone to show that, you know, you care. And that that when there's these big time guys over there, you know, Hey, we've been over there in your country. We're, 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 you know, we're putting in the work, you know, I, I think that's an easier sell to them. So I, I, so I guess that to that point, I can see a reason for it. Uh, I can see a reason to go to Berlin. I, there's no reason to go to, to China, to, to Shanghai. Yeah. I mean, yeah, got it. I yeah. agree. I so, agree. And the air quality shit over in Beijing. Anyways, you'll, I don't know if you make it past the first half. That's the Olympians. So, <laughs> um, so just the other, the other things that we, that we, you know, improvements to facilities, um, what else, what else did he talk about that was something that well, I think people would want to care about? Well, I mean, Pete brought up. So, I mean, we might as well just get into we might as well just get into Clemson. So, oh Pete, yes, that was the big takeaway. Yep, Clemson. Pete brought brought the Clemson game up to, to Jack, and because you know, I mean, let's think about it. Notre Dame had a, a second twelve and zero season with Brian Kelly under you know under at the helm. And this basically the same kind of result in the 13th game uh, for, you know, not as bad, but the takeaway from the Clemson game, the was vastly different in terms of what the coaches and what <laughs> that, you know, what, what Jack Swarbrick had been saying after the game, you know, after the Alabama game, it was like, Holy God almighty, we got some work to do. Right. And after the Clemson game, they're like, Hey, yeah, it was 30 to three, but man, we're right there. Right. And in a lot of, in you know, a lot of respect, they're absolutely right. Um, you know, that it's, it is a much smaller gap than what, than what it was in 2012. And I, I mean, I kind of figure that, you know, Pete wanted to bring that up. He wanted to get more on record with Jack about, because that's that, what do we talk about? I mean, Notre Dame has no conference to, title to win. Every, everything comes down to winning a national championship. Well, that's your national champion Clemson. So let's talk about where we're at in comparison to, and so I just think, you know, everything Jack said kind of just resonated what he had already said, right? I, I thought it was completely not surprising that he would say that he, in his estimation, which is completely biased, that he thinks Notre Dame was, you know, close to uh, Clemson on that field. 
but I, I'm, I'm sorry. I, I didn't, I do not agree. I, I think yeah. I, I saw a team I think that you and I have a, a, a tier a above depending on that at least. Yeah. I, I, I agree halfway with Jack on that one. At least Jack went as far as to say that, you know, he doesn't think it really, he doesn't say, he says, lost. I'm not saying it changes the outcome of the game, but it changes the feel of the game. I agree with that sentiment. I, I think the feel of the game could have been different had a, there been a couple of different things happen. And because of that, because you can point to a couple of different things changing the feel, then yeah, the, you know, there was nothing that was going to change. There was like 20 things that needed to change against Alabama for, for the feel to even change. Correct. Uh, so I, I'm with them a little bit. There's fewer things to change. I'll grant you that, but I'm 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 telling you that don't don't watch the game again. But I'm telling you that offense that night was anemic. They were uh, you know bumfuzzled, whatever you want, discombobulated. Um, they had they had no answer for that defensive line. And by the way, they weren't playing. The Clemson defensive line wasn't playing with its with its star player, right? Right, and we'll get to that in a minute. But and but that brings up a good point of something that like I think people are just figuring out, which I I believe I mentioned in my pre-spring offensive line article was I was the stuffs that Notre, that that uh, defensives got on Notre Dame in the running game. I mean, th- we had kind of a perception that this line was was good. I mean, not great, but good. But the drop off between the 2017 and 2018 line was just way bigger than anyone was admitting at the time. And you could go back to stats and look at it and it, it points right to it and you can get away with that throughout the season against some of the teams you're playing, but you can't get away with that against Clemson. Uh, their defensive line, regardless of having, you know, no Dexter Lawrence was just too damn good. I mean, all, all those guys are playing in the league now. It, it was just too damn good it's to, to put out a line that, that was not put, not getting the push that it should and not protecting the quarterback in, in the ways that it, you know, that it should, you know, there, there's a lot of pocket breakdowns over the throughout the season. And all that kind of came to a head against Clemson. I mean, that offense was, you're right. It was doing Jack and nothing, uh, you know, for most of the game. Yeah. I mean, Jack's quote to, to Pete Sampson was, Clemson is an exceptional team. They're very good, played that way. But I didn't see a significant talent differential. I didn't see a program differential in terms of strength and conditioning or preparedness. Now, I remember the one thing that people said about Alabama was they they got to the media day and they realized, oh, Notre Dame's in trouble because their guys just looked much more put together. They were much more like they looked like athletes more than Notre Dame's. And then one of the takeaways of that game was the need to invest more in strength and conditioning, which didn't happen right away, um, but has now come with Coach Bayless, right? Um, right. But in terms of uh, preparedness, I think Brent Venables was way more prepared uh, than Chip Long was. And, oh, uh, and in uh, talent yeah. differential, uh, there were I mean, there were guys running past our dudes all day long, and their quarterback was way better than our quarterback. Um, and so, and, and their defensive line, again, like I said, didn't miss a step. Um, so and to, me, the, to me, that was the difference. I mean, the difference was the talent differential. I, you know, a lot of people want to put, put a lot of weight on this law of this loss on a Brian Kelly and, you know, and to chip long to some extent. And, and I get it, you know, and it's an easy thing to do and it's, what's not easy or maybe it's easy, but no one really wants to admit it is. You know, the players got to play the game. 
I mean, they they have to, to do it. And the thing was, it wasn't like they were blowing uh, mental assignments and out, you know, out there and all that. They were just getting outplayed and because Clemson was just flat out more talented. I mean, the, the cry after the game was we have to get more five stars. We have to get more five stars. And I think at, at the time I was, you know, I, I kind of cringed, you know, and I kept hearing that because I, I guess I have a, I have a belief that, you know, that it does matter, but there's, there's ways to, you know, to get around it a little bit, but the guys that were out there, you know, like Trevor, you know, Trevor Lawrence, Christian Wilkins, Mitch Hyatt, T Higgins, you know, and Justin Ross, who wasn't even a five-star. Uh, it was the start. It was, it was that talent. It was those guys right there. I mean, you know, along when, with Colin Farrell, I mean, and when was, one of them went down, they were easily replacing them with another talented individual, just right. like it Alabama was, and Ohio state problem. and Georgia exactly. do. It, it was, yeah. it was a question of depth more than anything else. Um, but what that depth means, it wasn't just a random, you know, guy coming off the bench. It was a very talented guy uh, who's just trying to fight for some time behind a, another extremely talented guy. Um, that's their depth. That that's where they're at. Now, I, I just published an article um, early this morning. Uh, we're recording this late Friday night, so it was about three or four o'clock in the morning on Friday, but. Um, kind of comparing Notre Dame, what Notre Dame and Clemson have done recruiting. And, and, and honestly, Clemson is kind of an outlier for, for uh, a juggernaut in college football. They've never fit, you know, and I just, I just went back to 2014 because really, I mean, that's all we, we really need to go back, I, I, you know, I suppose. But they've never finished higher than seventh in the recruiting rank. Well, part of it has recruit- to do with their class size, right? Their right, class right. sizes are never that big. And, 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 yeah, let, let me let me get through it all. I apologize. I apologize. It, because Keep it going. is so you're on a roll. It is so strange. It, there, there's a there's a method to their madness here, and because and that's it's the only way you can explain what they what they got going on. I mean, the, their team rankings were 16th. And this is going from 14 to 19. 16th, 9th, 11th, 16th, 7th, 10th, and that's how much different is that from Notre Dame's being 11th, 13th, 15th, 10th, 10th, and 15th. The average is out to a you know, 11 and a half for Clemson and 12.3 for Notre Dame. I mean, right. You go strictly off of team recruiting rankings. The, the, they're, they're right there. Right. Yeah. But the massive differences were, is that Clemson signed 12, five stars and Notre Dame signed. And th- this is based solely off of the composite rankings. So, and Notre Dame, according to the composite rankings signed zero. Now, Dalen Hayes and Tommy Kramer were both five stars on on one particular service, but they weren't. They were composite. This is this is more like a um, a blend, like a consensus all American versus all American. Perfect example. Unanimous all American. Yep. Yep. So, which there which there is a difference. I mean, there if if someone has some doubt, they are not the elite elite the elite of the elite. I should say. I I mean, I guess they're that's that's more of a gray issue, but still to my point is that these are some uber talented elite guys that Clemson had. They had 12 of them on, on the, uh, or excuse me, uh, they had 11 of them, 11 of them on the roster in Dallas and Notre Dame had zero. Now you move up to, you move to the four stars. Notre Dame has completely, has completely crushed Clemson in that regard where Notre Dame has signed 80 
and Clemson side 57. It's about a nine and a half to a 13, almost a 13 and a half difference between the on average each year. But also Clemson has signed quite a bit. They've signed 12 guys fewer. So in those six years, they've signed two less guys per year, um, less than Notre Dame. And they're also signing two more five stars in Notre Dame a year. It's a weird situation. And what's going on in Clemson is, and I, you saw it before the season last year, guys not leaving early, guys sticking around. Sure. There, <clears throat> there is something to be said about the media narrative and why it doesn't change in some, in some regards to some of these programs. And the narrative for Clemson is this is a family program. His coaches don't leave. His players don't leave. No one freaking leaves Clemson. They just, they stick around. So they sign less because they need less. And because they, I mean, yes, Clemson does not have the same academic standards as Notre Dame. There's a bigger pool there. It's a better recruiting job, right? Like their facilities are top notch. They're in the South. All that stuff, you know, comes together. It's an easier place to recruit to. So they're targeting less or they're, they're wider net, but they really are focusing on less, get more elite talent. And it allows them to <coughs> fill in their spot more wisely where they're not just plugging a guy in here and there, you know, that because guys aren't leaving, they, they, they have this plan of where they're filling in at who they're developing. It, it's, it, it's way more complex than, than what I'm giving it credit for. And I can't even begin to, to dive into to how it works, but it's all, it all goes back to that Clemson, that narrative of that Clemson family down there and you know it's not like guys aren't leaving after the junior year they are i mean there are not like they're all sticking around for five years and shit like that but clearly if you just look at their numbers that is somewhat of the story right like guys aren't transferring out i mean unless you're a couple unless you're a quarterback who who knew <laughs> you were gonna lose there's two of them had to leave because trevor lawrence came in uh, and that's a that's a loss that Dabo sweeney will take you know every three years so it's just a, it's a whole different ball game of recruiting, and it's just it's it's just extremely strange how different they are when their team rankings. And this is why you have to look at these things with kind of a you know a, a, a monocle in your eye, uh, unlike the Monopoly guy. <laughs> it, it is that you know twelve and eleventh, and you know the. When people are talking about Clemson's recruiting at such an elite level, you're just scratching your head like you're saying that because these guys are just winning so good out there. But honestly, they're not. I mean, this is not Georgia level. This is not Alabama level. This is not freaking LSU level, not Ohio State level. But the way that they go about it is so different. And the coaching staff is so good and so determined to be there and do their jobs that it, it changes everything. And that's not Brian Kelly's fault. The coaches leave. I mean, number one, we needed coaches to leave for us to get better. So it, you know, it just the way it the way it works. It's just a whole different ball game down there, and it's it's going to be hard to overcome. And Clemson's look, Clemson's going to be here for the duration. Like Clemson, like Alabama's been a decade long dominance, right? So yeah, clear. Yeah, you, absolutely. You can expect that from Clemson. I mean, you go back, you know, back to 2015, you know, there's not going to be a, a chink in that armor probably for another five, six years, maybe. And that's not to say that they're going to win a title every year, but damn it, just like Alabama, they are in 
they are more than in the conversation. They're favorites going in every year. So Notre Dame just cannot – they're not going to be able to get to that spot. They just – I don't know who could do it, and this is, not a, this is not a knock on Brian Kelly. I'm just saying that it's, it's just a different monster. So, you know, I don't want to say be grateful for what we're doing, but you should still have an appreciation for winning these games because, look, it, it is a whole different, you know, it is a whole different thing going up against Clemson and Alabama right now and what they're able to do. And Georgia's going to be in that mix soon enough. Um, but Clemson's just yeah, different. The, the, the problem is to not let Ohio State and Michigan get, get ahead of you and get up in that tier. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Or in Ohio State's case, stay in that tier after Urban Meyer leaves. Right. I mean, it just there's there's a lot of stuff going on. But when you, so when you start comparing my, the Notre Dame Clemson stuff, it, my, it it gets pretty complex. My question to you is, who do you think Jack Swarbrick blames for the thirty to three loss? Right. So let's break this down. He doesn't think there's a talent differential. He doesn't think there's a preparedness differential. He doesn't think there's a strength and conditioning differential. But he also says. They were playing their best, and that wasn't our best game, right? I think so, he, I think he blames the stars on this one. I, I think when you make a statement like that, but like, isn't it isn't it possible to say that the coaching is to blame then? Well, I mean, if you have prepared, the, if you have right, similar, what, what, levels what, what, of, similar levels of talent, well, he you, did he he did also say in that in that article now that um, if they manage they manage the very end of the first half a little differently. "Quote unquote." So he did say that. So he says it doesn't change the outcome; it changes the feel of the game. I don't. To be honest with you, I think we still hear the same gripes if people if we lost twenty three to three than we did thirty to three. I think you take away you take away. Look, it feels different at halftime if you take away that that play where the guy made the amazing catch over Dante Vaughn. I I I will fully concede that. But at the same time, like you look back at that offense and it was just. It didn't have anything going for it the whole game. Right, long. but we've seen. But I mean, unless and we've seen games like that though with top notch. I mean, we've seen Alabama play game like that where they've had no offense at all. I mean, shit. Every, the whole reason we have the playoffs, or yeah, but I, like seventy percent of the reason we even have the playoffs is because of how shitty the LSU Alabama games were. I, I thought Notre Dame's defense played pretty well up until they just couldn't overcome the depth it was all. So if Julian Love stays in and keeps that game closer, maybe the defense is able to play a little bit differently, you know, against them. I, you know, and I am, I, I'm with Jack on that as far as like <laughs> nothing changes the outcome of that game as far as the, the W, but I, I, I do, I am a firm believer in that the feel of the game changes off because Notre Dame was playing with just such razor thin margins that, that, that was the ball game. You know, if they had if they had more wiggle room, it'd be you know there would actually be a chance for for the W there, but they had no wiggle room. Here's the thing. <laughs> so. Here's the thing that concerns me. Ian Book was on the Ascension. He Northwestern was a great game for him, but it was also the game he got hurt. Right? right. And then he sits out Florida State. Syracuse is not that great. USC is worse, and Clemson is worse than that. Like he had, he finished with his. I think statistically his three worst games. So I, I'm concerned going into the, the second season that not only is there a ton of tape on him, but you know, it, it seems like if he gets knocked around, he's not, he's less effective. 
you know? Well, I mean, and I, then also, I think not, you can say that like, about any quarterback in the country. The caliber of the, of the team obviously increased, certainly with Clemson, but he just looked, I mean, Trevor Lawrence looked ready for the moment. Ian Book did not. No, I agree with that. I mean, but I mean and he just maybe just wasn't. I mean, we're talking about two totally different individuals. To, but two isn't totally, that two totally that different paths? What's that? Isn't that preparedness? You didn't. You had a month to prepare your quarterback for the well, biggest I mean, of his life, and he shit the bed. And I, I mean, look, I coach, I, I coach Pee Wee baseball, right? In the summertime, prepare them as as best we can, and they still shit the bed every first inning. <laughs> I mean, they, yeah, but I mean, so I mean. And I know we're talking about drastic differences in competition levels here, but it, it's the same thing. You can you could give the best coaching, do the best job of preparing, and it still boils down to the players responding on the field. So, and that's what makes great players great players is how they respond on the field. And that's not to say Ian Book can't be a great quarterback because I think he absolutely can be. But that day in Dallas – with those white jerseys on going against Clemson, he just was not. And I, I'm not going to, I'm not going to kill a coaching staff and I'm not going to kill Ian book over that either. I mean, that, that was a, that's not the same situation as what he was in at a citrus bowl. I mean, for as much hype as we wanted to give the winning a new year, quote unquote, new year's day game, you know, the citrus bowl, it ain't the same as, as a college football playoff semifinal, not even close. So, and Trevor Lawrence, he's a true freshman. So, so people want to say, well, what about Lawrence? Well, dude, he's cut from a different cloth. Why is he a five? Why? <laughs> that's why he's a five-star once in a generation quarterback. I mean, the, I, I don't know how else you could explain that other than like, cause he's really fucking good and he's way better. I right. mean, that, that's just the way it is. Uh, you know, no, no coaching is going to change, going to change Ian book into be into becoming Trevor Lawrence. <laughs> I mean, is it, I know it's frustrating for everybody, but you know we just weren't good enough to win the football game, and yeah, but just, we were good. But we, I think, we were good enough to have kept that thing closer had we stayed within our our margin of error, which we did not. I, so, just, I, I just, I just don't know that we're going to see progress from that game to the to the Georgia game second week of the season this year. That's my concern. I, well, I think I mean, that. I think that the talent differential is going to show itself there. I think, you know, obviously the atmosphere is going to be charged. And I don't think that there's enough guys on this team that are ready for that moment. And if somebody gets hurt in certain positions, like they happen in the, in the, in, uh, in the cotton bowl, we're really screwed. I mean, that game's going to go sideways in a hurry, just like the Clemson game did. That's my concern. I mean, I think that's fair, but I mean, I think at the same time, Notre Dame, it, it, the, Beginning of the or uh, early season game is different than the bowl game, but I mean, look at all the differentials that go in, all the different variables that go into the bowl game. You know, a month after the season, Notre Dame had a grind. I, I don't care what anyone says. I, I know that we were done talking about travel, but like the USC game was proof for me, enough for me. As shitty as they played, as lax, you know, as lackadaisical. Yeah, too many drinks. Lackadaisical. Yeah, Thank that's you. A hard word to say. Went, yeah. We, so. <laughs> As, as when you watch that USC game and you see how they played out there, all that boiled down to they were grinded down. And, you know, then you go from there to a month, you know, later into the bowl game. Who knows what's different? I mean, that, that's what makes the bowl game so 
especially the the bigger games, so strange is because there's such there's such a huge you know amount of time that goes by. Yet you don't know what what exactly is going on. But to the Georgia game, I mean, and Georgia's got issues themselves. I mean, everyone wants to crown crown like you know like six teams a year, right? Like they're just like these unstoppable forces, but. Fuck, Georgia lost their top five wide receivers from last year. I, I don't care who you are. I don't care if you're Alabama. I don't care if you're that's, fucking Clemson. That's a huge deal. That's yeah. a huge amount of production. That's insane. I mean, their their best wide receiver probably is Demetrius uh, uh, Robertson, Robertson, right? And they had him to use last year. And guess what? He had zero receptions. They they He ran the ball a couple times. I. To me, because of the the teams that Georgia plays and the amount of time that he could have been used and they he did have out there to not really do anything at all. I mean, okay, I'm not really, yeah. I'm not really scared. I, I don't of know that. though. I mean, Alabama has guys all the time that just sit there and wait their turn. No, and I they have a senior season that that's outstanding. Yeah. No? yeah, I understand that, and Georgia's recruited that level, but it's still one thing to to go into a season losing a couple of guys. Right. You lost. Five, your top five wide receivers. And, you know, Jake Fromm is a good quarterback, but he's not a great quarterback. Yeah, but, you know, Notre Dame lost Tavon Coney and Drew Tranquil in the middle. No, I, mean, I get it. I'm not, I'm not sitting here shilling out for a win for Notre Dame on June 29th or 28th or whatever the hell we're at. But all I'm saying is that I'm not looking at that game either, like it already, you know, in despair, like this isn't going to happen. I think they could go down there completely. I mean, and they're the buildup to that game for Notre Dame schedule wise actually kind of works out for them in, in a lot of ways. They, they have some things that they'll, they'll have some games to be able to work on some things and know what they have. They'll be able to have a better game plan. They won't have a, a dual quarterback conundrum, um, you know, all fall or all fall, fall camp. And then going into the, you know, the beginning of the season, you know, they're, I, I think they'll be able to, to be a lot better prepared, you know, going into that than what I think you're giving them credit for right now. Okay. But I mean, yeah, but everyone has losses. It's it's college football. You're, you're losing guys every year, right? Unless you're some kind of freak team who, who's bringing back. I mean, and Notre Dame was, was that one year, you know, where they brought like what, like 20 starters last year. Um, You know, that could happen, but Georgia is not one of those teams. They lost a lot of talent themselves um, on both sides of the ball. So, and they've also recruited a lot of stud guys. Uh, anyway, no, we can go around this in circles. Yeah. Oh yeah. We, I mean, this is that's a. We don't have to resolve this on June 29th. Just say, just say, I speak for I think a lot of Notre Dame fans, and I know you're not you're not opposed to this idea. I speak for a lot of Notre Dame fans when I when I look at that schedule that that get that keeps you up at night thinking about that. You know. Well, I mean, I just shit. don't. It's the only game. Mind, it's the only game on the schedule. I don't mind 20 to 19. I mind 30 to three. I just. It's, I'm sick of Look, being embarrassed on a big stage. That's all. It's the it's the only game on the schedule. I don't yeah. give a shit about Michigan. I, I don't I don't care. It's in Ann Arbor. I don't. I think that team is the most overrated team in 20 years of football. Last 20 years, this year's Michigan team is probably going to be the most overrated going into a season. It's absolutely it's flabbergasted. To fucking look at all these preseason rankings. Pro Football Focus is the only one that was even close to having it right, having them at 18th. Everyone else has got them within like five, sixes. Are you freaking kidding me? They lost anyone with the, that was good last year. 
Shea Pat, give me a break. I mean that I and Georgia is the only Georgia is the only good team we're going to play all year. I, so Notre Dame absolutely I has to show that. up. Has to show up in that game. I want. I, I got to shake the big house, a monkey. It's been uh, how long has it been since Notre Dame's won at the big house? It's been a while. You know what? It's been a long time since they lost to Michigan too. So, <laughs> I, mean, I mean, 2013, right? They lost to right. Michigan. So. No, I, no, I get it. I 2005 get it. was the last Notre Dame well, win. You, and I, well, you and I both know we've both been up at the big house. It's not intimidating. There's there's nothing special about Michigan Stadium. There is nothing special about that shithole. Nothing. Even even after they even after they did all that shit to it, it's still not that much louder. They got 112,000 people sitting on their fucking hands. It's as bad as Notre Dame Stadium. There's nothing special about Michigan Stadium. Nothing. They 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 like to pound their chest while they're beating up Western Michigan, and that's about it. <laughs> but good teams do not do not care about going up to Michigan State. Ohio State gives zero Fs no, about I've, going up to Ohio State's not intimidated. Michigan by that. State gives zero Fs about going to Ann Arbor. There is nothing special about that stadium. Nothing. Yeah, I mean, there's nothing special about Stanford except Notre Dame st- hasn't won there since 2007. So except I'd... the field is completely fucking trash. <laughs> I mean, my, how do you how do you have a, a place called the farm? I mean, the, that, that makes sense. It's the farm. I was going to say it's, it's like a, it's like a pig slop, right? It's a, it's a it's a cow pasture. Yeah. It's awful. How do you renovate a stadium and still and your turf gets worse? Yeah. <sighs> I mean that's so, why that's why that's why Stanford recruited twenty tight ends a year. They're, they're the only thing they can do. You get one speedy wide receiver. I mean the only thing they had that that that's a shithole. <laughs> that's absolute crapple out there. How could you be in this gorgeous part of the world, right? Everyone loves the Stanford campus. That's what's getting some recruits, and then you take them to that field. Like what the hell is wrong with you guys out there? Well. There's plenty, but <laughs> so moving on from that, let's let, let's stay on this Warbrick thing. How much? Where are we at here? Where are we at? Shit, we're already 46 minutes in. But let me—I'll tell you what. Let's take a quick break. Uh, we're gonna—we haven't talked. You and I haven't really done one of these in a while, so we might. This might be one of those hour and 20 minute uh, podcasts. Sorry about you guys' luck, but uh, this is going. So we're gonna take a quick break here at. Uh, and uh, when we come back, we're just gonna we're gonna wrap this up with uh, the Jack Swarbrick interview uh, with Pete Sampson. All right. Was there okay? So was there anything else, Jude, from this from this interview that that uh, struck you as as anything worth uh, noteworthy to you? Well, I mean, just a reminder that Jack never gets ahead of his skis, right? So it, Brian, Pete had asked him about Brian's. Brian Kelly's assertion to Pete Thamel that uh, Brian wanted to work two years past his current contract. And Jack says, oh, yeah, we've had ongoing discussions. We, we want Brian to retire here. Um, but obviously they're not, they were not ready to announce anything, right? So um, we didn't learn anything, anything new from that. Um, in terms of like, I don't know, is it, in, is it interesting to people to talk about the reorganization of the Goog? I don't find it particularly interesting. I, I, I think it can can kind of be summed up as uh, they realize that the spaces they built no longer make sense um, for the for the modern kind of program that they want to build, and they've now they're doing a lot of stuff where they're making spaces out of things that that weren't 
previously what they were designated for. So that's just corporate, um, and that's just corporate America. Yeah, any office in the office or company in the you know across the country uh, worth a damn will f- figure that out, and you'll you know next thing you know they're pumping money into some weird room as all of a sudden it's a new meeting room. It's like oh shit, this was a closet last week. Right. So what used to be um, a meeting room is now uh, the training table. You know, and so they've they've got a they're you know putting it together with. Uh, with duct tape and chicken wire sometimes. And, and, you know, and, and they certainly have the money uh, to fix that around when they want to. So just, just based off of Swarbrick's statements and the, the fact that we, what we went through in 2016 and all that, I mean, I I know you were not in the same camp as I, uh, after the, during the 2016 season, but are you completely resigned, uh, to the Brian Kelly era? Yeah, I mean, I think it's going to go as long as Brian Kelly wants it to go. I just, I, I, I don't see like, you know, to to bring up a famous Wesism, he could be Coach Ocho Cinco again this year. He could be eight and five, and I think there would be some gnashing of teeth. But I don't, I don't think that there would be any serious movement um, th- from the powers that actually make the decisions to get rid of him. I think they would let him uh, ride it out, and um, you know, as long as he can, as he could continue to level, probably that or better. Uh, I think there'd be some upsetness because I think it would set the program back if they went consecutive seasons, eight and five. But at the same time, I don't think the outlook, anybody's, anybody's real outlook this year is that they're going to go eight and five. I don't see five losses on that schedule. Now, so now, um, you know, if Notre Dame wins, wins 10 games again this year, you know, you know, that's only the second time in program history, right? Now that granted there are, there are many, many years in Notre Dame history where they've only played nine games. Yeah, I mean, so, you're gonna but, you're gonna rub up against one of my least favorite things, which is trying to compare coaches from from different right, eras, right? And right. I am so guilty of this because I've done a lot of this. If you go back in my Twitter feed, it's full of like Brian Kelly versus Frank Leahy versus Newt Rocky oh. versus Air Parsegian. You know what I mean? Like, because you want to do that. But the, the one thing I, I I just always stress to people is when people talk about. Well, Newt Rockney coached 13, you know, 17 seasons or 13 seasons or whatever. Um, just understand that sometimes seasons were like six games. So like, like frick with that. Like, don't like, don't say, you know, it, this is, this is like, you know, this is important or whatever. Or he passes Newt Rockney and stuff like that. A lot of that stuff takes care of itself. Like, you know what I mean? Like you play enough games there. Uh, you have a record. He never, he's never going to lose. You know, it, Brian Kelly's already lost more games than Lou Holtz lost. So, you know, that ship has sailed. Um, so it's not like it's, it, you know, comparing coaches from different eras is, is always so, so problematic. Um, and so, look, just I think Brian Kelly is going to go down in the pantheon of the the highest of the second tier coaches that, you, you know, know, the the almost should have, you know, if it was if it was a different era, maybe would have. Um, but. I, I firmly believe, and I know that Eric Hansen asked every guest he has on his pot of gold uh, podcast about this. You know, do you think that Notre Dame will win a national championship under Brian Kelly? I am a hundred percent committed to the idea that the Notre Dame will not win a, a national championship under Brian Kelly. And to be honest with you, I'm not a hundred percent sure that they're going to win a national championship in my lifetime. I just think that fundamentally college football has changed so differently, so drastically, and it's going to continue to change so drastically um, that it's really not set up for Notre Dame to, to win. Can, do I think that they could get lucky and win a national championship? Of course I do, but I don't. And that's I not don't. to say that you, that they shouldn't reach for that. 
No, no, I mean, you, absolutely, you, absolutely. right. You are, you are not in the, there, there's a difference between standards and expectations or, right. you know, or what your expectations are, I guess, as a fan and as a commenter, um, it, you still firmly are in the camp of that's absolutely what they should be reaching for. Yeah. I mean, look, right. my, my personal standard is a little bit different than people. I care way more about um, academic progress rates or graduation rates or whatever metric you want to look at in terms of graduating our players, uh, whether it be on time or at all. Um, and, you know, and also taking care of our graduate transfers, you know, people who transfer out of our program, make sure they leave with their good degrees and stuff like that. That's my personal uh, thing, the, my personal standard of excellence that I like to see. Um, I don't, I don't think you have to sacrifice wins to get academic st- excellence. Um, I think that you can, you can have both. Uh, what I do think, what I also do think though, is that you can't expect national championships when you're also expecting your kids to go to class every day and, and, you know, and, and succeed in the classroom. Um, I, I really full don't cla- full class loads. I mean, yeah, it, it, it goes beyond grades with Notre Dame and, and I've, I've dipped my toe in these waters qu- quite a few times like, like recruiting wise, like, like it is harder to get into Stanford than at Notre Dame. But once you get into Stanford, it is a lot easier to be at Stanford than to be at Notre Dame. There's it, so there's a, and because it's easier to be at Stanford academically, it means you can, you have a greater chance to, to succeed athletically. Yeah. I think we're putting tremendous onuses on these players and look, like I've never heard of this before, but it does make a ton of sense. Darnell Ewell um, getting a medical hardship wa- waiver, right, and 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 dropping off the team. And what does Brian Kelly say about him? Basically, he couldn't handle the stress of being a student athlete. Like that's yeah, an that, amazing. That's an amazing concession to me. Like, well, and, like a, Brian and, a father, a couple, and a father. Yeah, and a father. Yep. Sure. And and what? Just like when Brian Kelly said a couple of years ago, like it was one of his golf tournaments. And he said something and it like lit up the internet for a day. And I remember he said something to the effect of like, all of our students are at risk academically. And he was basically saying like, it's tough to keep your head above water, even when you're doing summer schools to alleviate it. Because, you know, a lot of the time, um, you know, they're pushing these kids to graduate in, in three and a half years. And so that if they, you know, if they, if their careers haven't worked out here, then they're retaining their eligibility for their, for their next destination, you know? Notre Dame, I, and I could be wrong in the in the, the in this, but what I believe it, it is is not, they get one credit hour for football, um, for, for that semester for the for the for the semester you play a, a sport. I believe it's one credit hour, whereas other places it's three credit hours. Now, if 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 you are not someone who has been, had been to college, I know the two. Does that seem like a lot? But it's a lot. Uh, you, you know, the, a normal load throughout this throughout first semester is fifteen credit hours in a semester. So, and to stay as a full time student, it's it's generally like around twelve. So, if football is counting for three credit hours, that means you only have nine left. That's three classes. I mean, that that's that's you know a Monday, Wednesday, Friday, you know, three hours out of your day each one of those days, and that's it. Jude, does that sound right, Jude? I, I, I you're you're a Notre Dame student, so it, yeah, I, I was I, at a Mac school, and I'm based on just kind of that how how it worked there. Yeah, that's an but, interesting question that I I just I haven't seen written down, or if I have, I've forgotten it in terms of 
what they get in terms of I dove into it a couple of years ago and, and what we had found was that was basically the case as far as they were not granted the three credit hours at like everywhere else. I could be wrong or it could have changed by now. I don't know. But it made sense when when you look at like the midterm weeks. Like it, at no other place in the country does midterm weeks crash down on a team like it does Notre Dame. No one else brings it up. And, but then you see it year in and year out. Like that week, like, well, it was uh, uh, Deshaun Kaiser <coughs> talked about it before a game. Um, he hadn't slept. He, didn't, he hadn't slept all week. He had been studying all week. Yeah. And you, and you could saw it on the field. I got I can't remember what game that was exactly, but, but you can see it. I mean, that that's, that's why like that midterm game is like the scariest one for Notre Dame fans, because look, these guys are actually trying to make sure they're, they're getting their grades straight. Is it possible that it was the Stanford game where he got pulled for Malik Zaire in 2016? I think it may was. I think it was. Yeah. Uh, I, I'd have to. I that was not his best showing, but you know what? Malik Zaire came in and didn't do much better. So, no. in fact, he did worse. I think the first snap went over his head, or that might have been his, his second series. But now we, we kind of moved. We kind of moved past Kelly here for a minute and diving into a lot of hypothetical. No, stuff. I want to talk about 2016 because I think no. that's what our viewers, well, our well, listeners, want to hear. I would, yeah, talk yeah. about. <laughs> I would. I would have mentioned some good news that yes, that, uh, that our listeners might want to hear. So. <clears throat> Earlier today, I'm, I'm just kind of uh, – I'm in a haze, right? I'm in a fog. I'm about, I'm, I'm about to have like two and a half weeks of, uh, of a lot of easier life, let's put it that way, um, coming up. So I'm just kind of like coming out of this fog, and I'm getting some stuff done around the house. And I'm going through podcasts and listen to. And, and kind of to my surprise, I had still had, – I had not yet listened to uh, Rick's report with, with Bill Conley. And I listened to that today as well. Yeah. Yeah. So man, let's great talk podcast. about a month old podcast. Let's yeah, do let's, it. Let's do that. Hey, shout out to you, Ricks. But, <laughs> uh, one of the, one of the nicer things to hear in that podcast was Bill Conley, who unfortunately is no longer with SB nation and then has moved on to ESPN. Um, so congrats to Bill. Uh, I know he follows us. I don't think he probably listens to the podcast, but, uh, but anyways, but, when they were bringing up Brian Kelly, Conley in his preview had stated that, you know, Brian Kelly is one of the three or four best coaches in the country. Now that may shock a lot of Notre Dame fans. You know, you put Saban and, and Sweeney up on the, on the pedestal there. Yeah, and rightfully, my, immediate, my immediate reaction was I didn't agree. Right. I, I, I mean, I, I think there, if they, you want to argue top 10, I'm, I'm, I'm all on board. I'm 100% in, but if you want to say, you put, you put 50 people into a room, 50 people that, that know what they're talking about, like Bill Conley. Sure. And you're going to, you're going to get some variances, right? Right. I mean, you'll love it. But if you get enough, I mean, there's a fair share of people that kind of have that opinion. Like Brian Kelly's on that, that t- there is Saban and Sweeney. And then there was a tier under them of about four or five coaches. Now that Urban Meyer is retired, um, you know, and he's he Conley himself. I don't agree with him 100 percent either on it. But I have to say it's nice to hear, uh, you know, it, it's nice to hear that maybe it's not. It, it is nice to hear because I think it tamps down. You know, every every single year for for one foot down in about January, I like to do a story called 
Brian Kelly isn't quitting, but let's, you know, but if he was, who would <laughs> right. replace him or whatever? And it generates some good discussion. And I want to say right now, because Pete Sampson mentioned his name the other day, I think Iowa State's Matt Campbell is tremendously overrated. Write that down in your book. <laughs> if I'm wrong about that, how is he not on your list? Pillory me on Twitter and uh, NDJRS. You're welcome to uh, kill me. I I do not believe in Matt Campbell. I do not. I, I I get I get why people think he's great, but I do not. I do not think he's great, and I do not think he's the appropriate person to replace Brian Kelly when Brian Kelly retires. I there. I've said my piece. That's a um, solid hot take right there. Uh, yeah, and and I'm probably going to eat my words, but that's fine. Um, so, but but what I was saying was, if you think Brian Kelly is a top ten coach, then you know that there's nine coaches, uh, you know, ahead of him, uh, who would be automatically better replacements, and then everybody else you're just taking a chance on. And sometimes you take a chance on a guy like Brian Kelly, and it works out tremendously. And sometimes you you take a chance. On a guy like a, a Bob Davy or Ty Willingham or Charlie Weiss, and it works out terribly. So um, there are no there's, guarantees. People would argue that it's worked out terribly with Brian Kelly. Yeah, there's people. There's absolutely people who thought, who still think that that was a mistake to hire Brian Kelly, and we should have gone after Rich Rod, or I don't even know. Yeah, I'm not even <laughs> sure who was available in 2010 that everybody wanted. Uh, but you know, that person's probably, uh, you know, Gus Melzon, uh, Gene Chizik. I, I'm not hundred percent sure. Well, I gotta you know, tell you, so. in 2010, nobody wanted the damn job. Yeah. I mean, the, it wasn't a very attractive job in 2010. No, the, 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 you know, what Charlie Weiss did for recruiting at Notre Dame, and that's show that you can still recruit top talent to, to, to Notre Dame and to South Bend, Brian Kelly did the same as being a coach. Like you can make this a good job. I mean, it, it's, he's going to leave the place better than where he found it. A lot it's, better than he found it. I mean, yeah, it leaves some bounds better than, than what he, where he found it. Right. I mean, and I guess that maybe the, there's a lot of people who are, you know, they're ready to move on from BK because, you know, there's just, there are just some coaches like here, you have peaked, you have plateaued. I'm not sure if Kelly has, has, has done that just yet. You know, maybe it has, maybe, maybe the, Maybe he's on riding that plateau right now, you know, even a 10, 11, 12 wins uh, season, you know, and that include, would include a bowl, bowl win. Maybe that's, you know, the end, end game for him for what he can accomplish in South Bend. I don't know. Um, but, you know, it kind of feels like that. But I feel, can, I feel like can the, the next one, guy can the next guy kick it up a notch. Right. I feel like the one accomplishment that Kelly can can accomplish before he leaves is not a national championship. But it's winning that New York New York New Year Six Bowl and getting that proverbial monkey off of our back, so we can stop talking about 1994 Cotton Bowl. I thought you were going to say that bowl game in New York City, that Pinstripe Bowl championship. <laughs> like, that, that's like that. history. No, man, he, he already did there. that. I was there. We did he that. He already did that. So. Zach Mark, MVP. <laughs> and, and, and what was arguably yeah, one of the best games. So. And, and I, I want to mention this. I don't know how many people know. I, I put up an article about it. Wes, our formal, former podcaster general here, uh, is obsessed with the Pinstripe Bowl. <laughs> and he came across a bunch of Pinstripe Bowl gear on eBay. And one of them was a Pinstripe Bowl ring. And it was John former. Models, right? Yeah, yep, job model is former uh, Notre Dame offensive guard. You probably former saw Ryan. three plays in his entire career. But had his Pinstripe stripe bowl ring up on uh on ebay and there was a very serious discussion between wes and i about purchasing this ring 
and using this ring in some fashion for like a championship for readers of the site with a like a promissory <laughs> note or like a, a note like you'll pass it back on like a traveling trophy. Um, that didn't could, ever happen. Do you think I could have gotten Clearwall more excited about my fantasy uh, college football league if uh, we had a pinstripe a bowl uh, trophy ring trophy to you know uh, pass around? Listen to me. Just because of that thought, I'm going to dive in to the internet over the next month and a half and see which bowl game rings are for sale that yes. I can get for a, a good price. Yes. And if I can find one that's, say, 150 bucks or less, I will buy it, and we will use that for the college football <coughs> uh, fantasy league that you got going on, and I will make sure that you have updates on that on the site every week for that. Yes. Let's and dive in. We'll dive I, in. If, it, if somebody I, knows, if somebody knows, I mean, we we could be talking about like a an Alamo Bowl ring, or it doesn't matter. It doesn't even have to be a Notre Dame Bowl ring. All right. Um, look, look, but like a Hawaii, a Hawaii Bowl ring would be I fantastic. Say, let's shoot our shot here. Why don't we write a nice letter, put it on SB Nation letterhead, and kindly request that the NDFIM office send us the Hawaii Bowl trophy for our personal use. I, you know, the, what's the worst they can say? No. Yeah. I'm, I'm there. <laughs> I, I don't think that's happening. <laughs> you, miss 100, you miss 100% of the shots you don't take, Wayne Gretzky's Mike. And then in four years, when they have to go back to the Hawaii Bowl, and you got the Hawaii Bowl, Bowl directors looking at him like, so y'all been enjoying that trophy for the last 15 years? 20 uh, years? Uh, about, about that. But yeah, I'll, uh, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm making a note now. I am literally using a pen and paper. Put it in the show notes. Say we are on a discussion about purchasing bull memorabilia for our college football fantasy league. I'll even jump in on that league uh, to, to, to try to win. Try to it's ring season, just like that picture of Dabo I got up on the site today. Ring season. Ugh. I'll tell you what, that I had that Virginia quarterback on my team last year. He was awesome. Perkins. Oh, yeah. He's back too this year, isn't he? Yeah, he is back this year. Yeah, that that game scares me too. I mean, I don't know, I don't know if we're talking about schedule, but that one that one really makes me nervous. I was listening to someone the other day. Maybe it was maybe it was on the solid verbal. And I I I could be mistaken, but I thought it was I thought it was Dan trashing Virginia. Just Whoever, whatever podcast I was, I was listening to, maybe it was uh, Ralph Russo's AP. I can't remember what it was, but on a podcast, and this is the team that we're all lying as the trap as the trap game, right? Like, there's why even write an article? Everyone knows that's quote unquote the trap game. Trash in Virginia, like totally overrated, just going on and on and on. And I'm like, man, this really is a trap game. Listen to this guy talk. <laughs> <laughs> Gonna get me in a in a false sense of security. <laughs> uh, one week after Georgia, who knows what's going on after that game? I just I do not love that Virginia game. St. Francis Fort Way would give Notre Dame a run for their money after that Georgia game. Yeah, it's gonna Louis, be. Ooey pooey. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't you know. I don't even know if they're ooey pooey anymore. Oh no. Oh well, there's some weird shit going on in Indiana. Like uh, in Fort Wayne, the big big one was IPFW. Yeah. And, and they had changed that to like just the straight up Fort Wayne moniker. Um, in fact, I think Notre Dame played them, um, played them as Fort Wayne. Now it's Purdue Fort Wayne. Like Indiana's completely gone. They had changed all the signs, so now everything's just straight up 
Purdue, Fort Wayne. So, speaking of Fort Wayne, I don't know what the what, what the Kansas State Wayne, are doing. Did you see that Drew Tranquil is hosting a, a banquet? Yeah, he's doing, it, he's doing that uh, Autumn Ridge Country Club. In fact, yeah. I'm going to contact them, and uh, I'm thinking about what. Did you see the cool thing that they're doing for admission? They're drawing uh, a random number between one and three hundred, and whatever that number is, you pay. That's what you pay at the door. So yeah. If they pull like fifteen, you pay fifteen bucks. If they pull two hundred and seventy-eight, like you pay two hundred and seventy-eight bucks. Well, well, let me tell you, Drew Tranquil comes from a well-off area of Fort Wayne, uh, and he went to Carroll High School. And Autumn Ridge Country Club is just one shade under uh, Sycamore, you know, Sycamore Hills, where they have. Uh, <laughs> Uh, lots of rich people. So, but it's a, it's a very well off uh, place to be at. And uh, they got great, I mean, really good ribs out at uh, Autumn Ridge. So, cool. <laughs> but you know, I'm thinking about going out there to, uh, to cover that. I'm not doing anything that night. So I might how, be, I won't, I'm not going to be dropping some dimes. I'll how just... long before Drew Trinkle <laughs> gets his own, uh, what is it? What is it? Red coat or uh, what is that? Red oh, hat? Be, that, 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 yeah. The red coat for the bad Anthony's. Yeah. That's going to take a while. Oh, that, that's a pretty, I mean, that's, that's a hardcore award there in Fort Wayne. Um, I mean, Jalen Smith. Jalen got his recently, but Jalen was a little bit more of the exception and Jalen was yeah. a superstar within the city. Drew was not, I mean, Drew was well-known, you know, I mean, he was, Fort Wayne has some good talent, you know, year in and year out, you know, Tyler Eifert's one, you know, for sure. Um, you know, some lineman who went to Purdue and stabbed a guy outside of a strip club. <laughs> Uh, but, you know, it's the home of Rod Woodson. Uh, when I grew up, you know, my favorite defensive back was Rod Woodson. He was from Fort Wayne, went to Snyder High School, went to his football camps. Um, a lot of the guys from back then in Snyder, they were going to IU and, and Purdue. Vaughn Dunbar was one, rolling in a 6-4 with switches. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> but you know, like, it, it's a pretty big deal in Fort Wayne to get that red coat. I, I imagine Drew is well on his way, especially with his charity work. Um so I, I maybe a, look if Sean Aston can get one, Drew Tranquil can get well, one. Well, I'll tell you what, it was a long time for, for Notre Dame player to get one. I mean, there's, there's, there is some, uh, you, you go back and look at the history. I might have put that on the post, some of the, some of the guys that have got it. And like, you know, one year, like the Four Horsemen got it. Um, but I mean, uh, uh, Miller, he's just from around our way, just maybe another hour or 45 minutes away from where I live in Ohio. But, um, but yeah, the like coaches, like, you know, <coughs> Brian Kelly getting that was a big deal. Yeah. So, Fort Wayne, Matt Anthony's. <laughs> if you want to get any news on it, I will report on it every year. We are your exclusive source for Matt Anthony's news. It, it, it's a big deal in the, in the fort, man. It's a huge deal. And hey, speaking of the fort, special shout out to the Fort Wayne uh, Notre Dame Club for getting Hesburg to the, uh, to the Cinema Center downtown. Did you uh, finally see it? I did not. Oh my! I was God. under the impression. I, I wasn't going to admit this, but I was under the impression that it was a two-week run, and so I based my time. I based the date of when I the the dates I was going to go on that, which it would have been within the second week. So what they did is they ran for it. You could technically say two weeks because it was nine days. And you know it wasn't an everyday showing. You know, I mean, it, it was a, it's a, a specialty theater, you know, downtown. And so I was gun, I was gunning for this Friday night, or for this Friday night showing that they had. And we had some stuff come up for um, for Little League, 
And so I'm like, oh, it's all right. You know, they're going to have a, they'll be open on Monday night, this and that, or Wednesday night, do it then, blah, blah, blah. And they didn't have their schedule posted past that date. So then the very next week when they, when they updated that schedule, it wasn't there. I totally got, totally hosed myself. But I was under the impression from the start date to, <laughs> it would have been two weeks from that date. And it was just meaning it was going <laughs> to, going to run out of time. So I totally missed the boat on that. And it was totally pissed, but I was super proud of the, of the Notre Dame Fort Wayne club or the Fort Wayne Notre Dame club to, uh, to do what they did to get that. That was, uh, that was really cool. So I'm an idiot. I, 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 I could have saved everybody. Like heard it here two, I could have saved two minutes of that conversation to say, you know what? I'm an idiot. You're an idiot. All right. <laughs> so I think, I think we've done a wrap this up tonight, but, um, you said we haven't done it in a while is our parting shots. And I'm hoping you don't steal mine. Um, but I'm going to let you go first. And we'll, no, why don't you go first? Since no, I no, like no, to steal no, no, yours. No. I've, st- I've I, stole I, like I, two in the past. Look, if we just well, listen, we listened to the same podcast today from two months ago for the first time <laughs> randomly, right? Sharing a brain. Yes. So this is part of my experiment. Okay. Here we go. Did I say, did I say spearmint? Spearmint? I got to put this wintergreen. You better go first. Cause I'm going to have okay. to dry my mouth off here. All right. So here parting shot, what you got? So one of the things that I love about the online community of Notre Dame fans uh, and supporters is their generous hearts. And I've probably talked about this before on the website, although I don't think I've talked about it on the podcast. And I love that um, last fall for the Michigan game, uh, Bridget Reynolds and, uh, and Nina uh, raised money for, for refugee uh, settlement camps. And uh, I think it was out in the Portland area. And, um, you know, at Christmas time, uh, the Steve who goes by tax bastard, uh, raises money for gloves, hats and gloves for a local, um, school near him. Uh, there's another fundraiser that I feel very strongly about. And that is, um, Ryan Ritter, ND Texas, um, yes. charity streams for, uh, for, uh, the children's hospital of Oklahoma city. Um, the backstory, the quick backstory is. Um, that he's been raising money, I think, for four years now um, in, in memory of uh, the son of his wife's college roommate who unfortunately passed away uh, leukemia when he was uh, just a couple of years old. So um, this is, this is uh, he does some video games. And, you know, to be honest with you, I have no idea what's going on in these video games. I literally can't understand heads or tails. And, he, and sometimes... <laughs> I, I ask him a bunch of dumb questions, so and he humors me because I, I do I, I do donate, but um, I, I love I love uh, I love giving money. I love giving money to make him drink ridiculously uh, terrible alcoholic drinks with hot sauces in them. Uh, I, I like giving to uh, make him do something stupid in the video game that I don't understand, but seems to cause him great um, great joy, um, and so. I just encourage everyone to uh, check out his um, stream. He's actually streaming tonight, and he's going to be streaming uh, throughout the week. Uh, Twitch.tv slash NDTex. Um, go to his Extra Life page. Uh, donate. Uh, he has a special donation uh, amount of $37, which will, will hit the heart of every Notre Dame fan who loves uh, just uh, poking Michigan with a sharp stick when they also are doing something good for uh, the, the community. So, um I, I encourage you to to give freely of of the money that you have, um, extra money. And I think there's a lot of Notre Dame fans that are doing great things with charitable causes. And I just wanted to, to give Ryan a shout out for that. 
Yeah, you should. I, I should have went first. <laughs> that was, that, that's not mine, but that was really good. So we're, we're going from a, yeah, that, g- g- check that out, guys. That's, uh, that's, uh, and I, and you're right. I, it, there is a, a strong, there's a large amount of, of the people that we, that we interact with, uh, on, you know, almost on a daily basis, you know, on, on Twitter and through the site, there's a lot of them that are very active in in charity work, and that's pretty. I am I, I am making this promise that I am trying to narrow down something for one foot down for us to lock in on to to make our own. I I'm, I in the starting stages of trying to figure out what that is, um, but uh, but I have been inspired. I, it's literally because I've been inspired by what um, you know, not just. Not not just our friend, our friend, our Notre Dame friends, you know, here and there, but a lot of people throughout the, the, this blogging world. A lot of guys on SB Nation do that. They have charities, you know, that are attached to their sites. We need to do more. We have a large reach. We got people with pockets. Um, we have very, so, we have very good people. That yeah, this, on our site. And this we world very generous needs to people. love that. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So there there is no help that is not you know there. <laughs> we can always do more. Sure. Always. You know, even even the little bit from a little bit. I mean, we know this. A little bit from everybody goes a long way. So I mean, think about how much money uh, rakes a raise for the South Bend Center for the homeless after the disastrous 2016 season during the Christmas season. I mean, everybody had reason to just say, "Look, I'm done with Notre Dame football for the year. I'm tuned out, or whatever." And send we raised uh, tens of thousands of dollars, if I recall. That's because we're Catholic. It's like we're paying yeah. for. <laughs> we're tithing so, for our we'll sins. Take, well, we're taking it back to to indulgences. <laughs> <laughs> it's like oh, we got we got to take care of this. <laughs> but uh, no, thanks, Jude, for for mentioning that. So what I had to say is going to be uh, a little bit different. We're going from a charity work to damn near commercial. But I wanted to give a. a an early shout out uh, to the guys at the South Bend Tribune with their preview magazine. Yeah, looking and, forward to that. That's going to be uh, that's coming out here, sir. I don't have all the details in front of me, um, but I'll have a copy in my hands probably soon enough, and I'll I'll, uh, I'll go through it. I'll give everybody the rundown. But even before let's, all that, let's have Tyler James on this thing. He's a good. He's always okay. a good time. Yeah, we've talked about it already. We're going to have Tyler on uh, oh. in July. We're I'm gonna, we're going to get a date narrowed down here somewhere between the eighth and the 15th or something like that. But, um, so we're, yeah, Tyler's going to come on, but I, I just wanted to give a quick shout out to those guys. Cause we talked to them, you know, here and there, and we know how much work they put into this and we know the world of preview magazines. And it, it is, uh, <laughs> it's pretty, it's pretty hectic out there. This is well worth your dollar. And just from basing it off of past, magazines there is a lot of good features in here a lot of good information that you can you use throughout the entire season um and you know it's just it's an enjoyable read leading up to the lead up to the start of the season it, it's not a national preview so i mean but you know they'll go through the opponents so it's not like phil Steele style or anything like that but i mean shit off as far as i'm concerned all phil Steele does is is regurgitate a lot of what he said the year before <laughs> he writes like four sentences new each year but anyways I really feel strongly about uh, about their preview magazine, uh, and I, I really feel strongly about the work that they do at the South Bend Tribune, uh, support, cool. your, support your local paper, um, and that's it. So we went from a from a give your money to charity to to, uh, to a commercial. Uh, for the, 
Uh, I will have worthy cause. Both worthy causes, though. Yeah, yeah. I mean, give your. We like Eric, and we like Tyler, and we like Carter. So uh, let's make make sure they stay employed. And Rob and Michael <laughs> take great photos too. So. Oh yeah! Oh yeah! And every once in a while, Tom Noy even comes over to the football beat. So. I like him. I like him on the hardwood. Which, by the way. Notre Dame got some good news on that, but we're not going to dive into that. I just wanted to say, <laughs> we're going to get, get the Check hell out of here. We're at the 120 mark right now, so we're going to get the hell out of here. Um, thank you so much for listening. Please, please, please subscribe to the podcast. Uh, rate, review. We really appreciate it. Plus, it gives us a, a, a greater sense of what you guys are looking for. I put a post out, um, my annual How Are We Doing post out. Got a lot of good information from um, – from people about what they like, what they don't like. Um, and I, I'm more, I'm way more interested in what you guys don't like than, than what you like. I, I appreciate the, uh, the thank yous and the, and for the hard work that we're trying to do. Uh, but I want to make this better. I want to make this, I really want to make sure that this is like one of your one or first one or two stops every day when you're, che- or when you're checking Notre Dame uh, athletics. So um, every bit of criticism is took with, uh, a lot of sincerity and and you know I'm very serious in, in addressing those things so I appreciate that and I think that's it man so thank y'all and uh, we'll go have Irish. some talk soon go Irish <laughs> <laughs>